today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. There are many times, especially now where when I'm out and about and I see people, my heart just breaks for them. There's such a burden for them because they have no idea what's coming. And if they don't know Jesus and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and are born again of the Spirit of God, if that trumpet sounds and the rapture happens, they will be left behind. How many times have you heard judgment is coming? At first, it sounds harsh and unloving, but in today's teaching, Pastor J.D. will show us how it doesn't come as a contradiction to a loving God. And for those who follow God, ultimate security lies within the judgment that Christ took on our behalf. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Isaiah chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Isaiah chapter 13, we're making our way through this incredible book. That's kind of an understatement. Uh, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, we finished chapter 12, 11 and 12 actually last week. So we're going to pick it up and Lord willing, uh, finish chapter 13. Really looking forward to what the Lord has for us. But before we get started, why don't we pray? Lord, thank you so much. Lord, we love you. We love your word. And we're so grateful to you for this time when we can come together and laugh together and fellowship together and worship together. And now as we open up our Bibles, Lord, we just want to hear you as only you can in that still small voice, speak into our lives, in and through your word. That's why we're here, Lord. That's We're hungry, Lord. We're thirsty. And, and we know that only you can satiate that hunger and that thirst in our souls. Lord, we know that you want to speak. You want to minister to us. There's things you want to show us. There's things you want to say to us. And so, Lord, I pray that we'll see what it is you want to show us, that we'll hear what it is that you want to speak to us. So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so beginning in chapter 13, we start a new section, actually all the way through to chapter 23 from here in chapter 13 we commence with what's referred to as the book of burdens, (laughs) rightfully so. And the reason is, is that the prophet Isaiah is heavy hearted with the burden of the Lord concerning the prophesied judgments that he has to speak, by the way, that are coming upon the surrounding nations. And it is a burden, and it is heavy, and it is hard. So I spent some time this week, actually I start uh, a week prior, and I pray and I prepare. And for this study, I, I found myself sort of inquiring of the Lord and even inviting the Lord to search my heart 
concerning this and this regard. See if there be anything at all that is keeping me from loving Him, hearing Him, knowing Him. And more specifically, as God searched my heart, I, I asked Him to show me whether or not I had this heart, whether or not I had a, a burden for the lost, a heavy heart for this lost and dying world. And I have to confess that, you know, there are times that uh, I, I, I do feel the weight of it, the burden of it, and the heaviness of it in my heart. Uh, there are many times, especially now where when I'm out and about and I see people, my heart just breaks for them. There's such a burden for them because they have no idea what's coming. And if they don't know Jesus and come to a saving knowledge of Jesus and are born again of the Spirit of God, if that trumpet sounds and the rapture happens, they will be left behind. And they will enter into the seven-year tribulation, a period of time of unspeakable horror, particularly the last three and a half years. And that is heavy, and that is real. But here's the problem, and I'm just being very open with you. I hope it doesn't make you uncomfortable. Maybe you can identify with me. But whenever I'm heavy-hearted, it's usually because my own heart is troubled for myself (laughs) and what I'm going through. That's when my heart's troubled. That's when my heart is heavy. It's usually because of what I'm going through more than it is because of others or because of the lost. And this is an area that God's dealing with me in in my life, and He's doing a work in me. And it is my prayer, it is my hope, and I know it's yours too, to be able to see the lost through God's heart for the lost, where you see people in light of eternity. One of the things that the Lord has been really ministering to me is how it is that we have fallen prey to the enemy, played really into his hands in the sense of divide and conquer. He has got us divided against each other. He's got Christians arguing with the saved and not reaching the lost. He's created this chasm, this division between left and right, Republican and Democrat, conservative and liberal, and I mean the list goes on and on, black and white and everything in between. It's us and them. And whenever we fall prey to that, we are just putty in Satan's hands, if I can say it like that. He's got us right where he wants us. Because see, now they're the enemy. And when they become the enemy, then the enemy's no longer the enemy. He's succeeded. Are you with me? (laughs) So now all of a sudden I look at people and, oh, they're that. And you fill in the blank. And they become the enemy. No, they're not that. I'll tell you what they are. They're someone that Jesus loves someone that Jesus died for, and someone that will be left behind 
when the rapture happens if they don't know Jesus? How about let's get Jesus to them and them to Jesus as soon as we possibly can while we still have time? See, if I see them as the enemy, then all of a sudden I'm wrestling against flesh and blood. And Satan just kicks back in his lazy boy recliner. Yes, Satan has a lazy boy recliner. <laughs> he picks up his remote and he just watches the show as it all plays out. He can take the rest of the afternoon off. He's got us doing his dirty work for him as we bite and devour one another, instead of reaching and loving one another. So it's this heavy heart, this burdened heart, that Isaiah has for, and, and this is interesting as we're about to see, it's for God's people, because judgment is coming first in the house of the Lord. So interesting, we've heretofore uh, studied about all of these prophecies about coming judgment on Judah and Israel first. Now, as we're about to see, it's the judgment that's coming on all the surrounding nations. So there's another part to this, another layer to this before we jump into this, and it has to do with a heavy heart concerning all the evil that is in the world today. And it's my belief, and I would suggest that this is why we have chapters like Isaiah 13 in our Bibles. You have to understand that God's people hearing these prophecies concerning these nations, these surrounding nations, starting with Babylon, as we're going to see, it had to really settle their hearts, because it was God saying, I'll take care of them. I will take care. I will judge them. They're not going to get away with what they're doing. They will be judged, and it will be a just judgment. Now, if you'll stay with me, I want to try to connect some dots here. This is, <laughs> and I'll just speak for myself, this is where I'm at currently, because I'm looking at the evil <laughs> that is perpetrated upon mankind today, and this is a much needed word fitly spoken here in God's Word, that God is going to have the final word on it. I always think of, it's the go-to for me, and it's Psalm 73, and it's where the psalmist is having this crisis of faith concerning the prosperity of the wicked. And I mean, it is messing him up. So much so that he even says, I don't even want to talk to my brethren because I'm afraid I would stumble them because I'm really struggling with this. God, what's up with this? It seems like you're letting the wicked prosper in their way. And here I'm righteous. I'm right with you. I'm walking in righteousness, walking upright. And <laughs> I'm looking at them. And he started envying the wicked, because everything was going great in their lives. And everything they would set their hand to do prospered, and it was wicked, and they were wicked. And it was even, it was like God was just turning a blind eye to them. 
And here's this psalmist going, what? I've walked uprightly, I've cleansed my hands in vain, for what? What's the point? I mean, I'm looking at my life and I'm comparing, by the way, that's your first mistake when you do that. Don't ever compare yourself with anybody else, especially the wicked. I mean, everything's going great for them. Everything's going not great for me. (laughs) Everything could go wrong that could go wrong is going wrong in my life. And then I'm looking at them and everything is just wonderful. And And he really got stumbled by it. And then at the end of the psalm he says, it was until I entered the sanctuary of the Lord, that's the best place to be and the best place to go, and I saw their end. I came to my senses, whoa, what was I thinking? I wasn't thinking. In other words, the psalmist was settled, and he was settled when he realized, oh, I see how it ends for them. Now here's the dots I want to connect and where I'm going with this. Yeah, a heavy heart, and it's getting worse and weightier and harder and more and more evil, as it seems that evil is waxing worse and worse with each passing day. And if you don't enter the sanctuary of the Lord (laughs) and hear the word of the Lord and how it ends by the Lord, you're going to stumble unnecessarily. It's when you realize, oh, in the end God is going to have the final word and He is going to judge them justly. That's when it settles you. They'll get theirs. It might seem like they're getting away with it, that evil is prospering, and this evil that they're perpetrating upon mankind, it is demonic, it is satanic, and it comes from the pit of hell. I know that's strong, but it needs to be. And here we are, God's people, believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, and we're on the receiving end of what they're doing, as is all of mankind. And it's so evil. And again, it's chapters like this in God's Word, where we can be settled. Because God says, okay, here's how it's going to end. Here's what's going to happen. So let's jump in, verse 1. The burden against Babylon, which Isaiah the son of Amos saw, lift up, verse 2, a banner on the high mountain. Raise your voice to them. Wave your hand that they may enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my sanctified ones. I have also called my mighty ones for my anger. Those who rejoice in my exaltation. The noise, verse 4, of a multitude in the mountains, like that of many people. A tumultuous noise of the kingdoms of nations gathered together. The Lord of hosts musters the army for battle. Okay, first four verses right out of the chute. We have a twofold prophecy against Babylon. And this first part was 
historically fulfilled in Daniel chapter 5, yet future. And it will also be prophetically fulfilled as it was historically fulfilled in the seven year tribulation. And we have this prophecy recorded for us concerning Babylon, actually two Babylons, in Revelation 17 and 18. We'll see this again here in a moment. Verse 5, they come from a far country, from the end of heaven, the Lord and His weapons of indignation to destroy the whole land. Wail, verse 6, for the day of the Lord, hang on to that, is at hand. It will come (laughs) as destruction from the Almighty. Okay, we're going to see this again. It's actually replete throughout Scripture. Whenever you see this mention of the day of the Lord, it is speaking of the judgment of God, the wrath of God in the seven-year tribulation. That's what's coming. That's what this is referencing. It is the day of the Lord, the coming tribulation period when God's wrath and God's judgment is poured out upon the whole world. And again, we're going to see this here in a moment. Verse 7, Therefore all hands will be limp, every man's heart will melt, and they will be afraid. Pangs and sorrows will take hold of them. They will be in pain as a woman in childbirth. They will be amazed at one another. Their faces will be like flames. And here it is again, verse 9, Behold, the day of the Lord comes, cruel, with both wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and He will destroy its sinners from it. For the stars of the heaven, verse 10, and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be darkened in its going forth, and the moon will not cause its lights to shine. Wow. That's what's coming? Yeah. When? Oh. Actually, Jesus refers to this prophecy, and it won't be the first time nor the last time in the book of Isaiah. And by the way, this is probably as good of a time as any to say that it's passages like the one we just read, and the prophecies like the ones we're now studying, that have caused skeptics, antagonists even, to suggest that there must be two Isaiahs, because there's no way that this could have come to pass with that accuracy, with 100% precision accuracy. These prophecies, and we're going to see this next, are so unbelievable, there's no way. There had to be a second Isaiah that wrote after they happened in order to obtain and achieve this accuracy. Well, there's only one problem with that argument. First of all, it is refuted wholesale, because Jesus quotes Isaiah, one of them replete 
throughout many of the recordings that we have in the Gospels, Jesus refers to Isaiah's prophecy. He does not refer to two Isaiahs. He refers to Isaiah. There's only one Isaiah. And these are the prophecies that Isaiah the prophet was to declare and pronounce, and they came to pass exactly as God said they would. Now this one here, Jesus refers to it when he answers the disciples' questions about the sign of his return. It's actually a twofold question. And they ask him, what will be the signs of your return and of the end of the age? And so Jesus answers them, very detailed answer by the way, and we have it recorded in Matthew's Gospel chapter 24. He says, first thing, very interesting, the very first thing he says that will be a marker, a sign of his return and of the end of the age is deception. The first thing he says is, let no man deceive you. Now why would he say that and mark that as a sign if deception was not a sign? I know that's deeply profound. <laughs> In other words, the sign that will mark my soon return and the end of the age will be deception. Do not be deceived. The Apostle Paul echoes this throughout the epistles. Do not be deceived. Let no man deceive you. And then he says there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. Nation is going to rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom, ethnic group against ethnic group, ethnicity against ethnicity, race wars. There will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes. And he said these earthquakes are going to be massive and they're going to be in various diverse places. And then he says this, and it's missed sadly, and I don't want to go into this, but if you have a King James translation, it says these are the beginning of sorrows. Other translations more accurately in our vernacular render it the beginning of birth pains, and that changes the whole complexion of the prophecy, right? Because what do we know to be true about birth pains? They come in greater frequency and greater intensity. In other words, what Jesus is saying is th the deception, frequency, intensity will increase. Nation rising against nation, wars and threats of wars, like we needed more. Bonus, I guess. Ethnicity, race against race, race wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. You could just take earthquakes alone. And using the data from their own data, from the USGS, and you can track the increased earthquakes in both frequency and intensity in just the last 20, 30 years, off the charts. And that's exactly what birth pains are like. So that's his answer. And then when he gets further down to verse 24 in Matthew, uh, ver, ver, pardon me, verse 29 in Matthew 24, he says this. He says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, 
the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and In Spirit and Truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth. Keeping me right with your wind.